0: Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. I think maybe just to set the Old Testament up a little bit, we're kind of coming midstream into a Story and at this point, uh, uh, David uh, is king uh, of Israel, and he had uh, previously just before this part seen uh, uh, Bathsheba bathing and decided that he uh, that he really liked her and that he ought to have her because he 's the king, and he should get whatever he wants. but Bathsheba was married to Uriah, uh, so David had sent Uriah out in battle uh, and sent him out in a way that would guarantee that he got killed, and so we come back. Uh, we then begin the story.
1: A reading from 2 Samuel. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentations for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare, for, prepare the wayfarer, for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, Now the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child that is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. The Lord struck the child that Arariah's wife bore to David, and it became very ill. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God.
2: Our gospel reading today is going to come from Luke seven thirty-six to 50, and also Luke 8, 1 to 3. And I'm going to uh, not read necessarily the translation you have there, but I'm going to read the, the Good News translation. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to uh, understand. A Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and Jesus went to his house, sat down to eat. And in that town was a woman who lived a sinful life. She heard that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, so she brought an alabaster jar full of perfume. And she stood behind Jesus by his feet, crying and wetting his feet with her tears. And then she dried his feet with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee saw this, he said to himself, If this this man really were a prophet, he would know who this woman is, who's touching him. He would know what kind of a sinful life she lives. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Yes, teacher, he said, tell me. There were two men who owed money to a moneylender, Jesus began. One owed him 500 silver coins and the other owed him 50. Neither of them could pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Which one, then, will love him more? I suppose, answered Simon, that it would be the one who was forgiven more. You're right, said Jesus. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your home, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss, but she has never stopped kissing my feet since I come. You provided no olive oil for my head, but she has covered my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have been forgiven. But whoever has been forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" The others sitting at the table began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? But Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Sometime later, Jesus travels through towns and villages preaching the good news about the kingdom of God. The twelve disciples went with him, and so did some women who had been healed of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been driven out, Jonah, whose husband Chusa was an officer of Herod's court in Susanna, and many other women who used their own resources to help Jesus and his disciples. So is the readings of the Gospel. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. This is one of a dozen stories in the gospel that involves Jesus and is interacting with women. This is an area that I've studied for years because of the type of ministry I had been involved with, especially the street ministry in Chicago working with women out of the night or prostitutes. In first century Palestine when Jesus established his ministry, this was not a pleasant time or place for women. The woman is in all things inferior to man, states the first century Jewish historian Flavius Joseph. Rabbi Judah, his contemporary of Joseph, said A man who pronounces a man must pronounce three blessings a day. Blessed be the Lord who did not make me a heathen, and blessed be he who did not make me an uneducated people a person, and blessed be he who did not make me a woman. Jewish rabbis in the first century were encouraged not to teach or even to speak to women. Jewish wisdom literature tells us that he that talketh much with womankind brings evil upon himself and neglects the study of the law, and at the last will inherit Gehenna, or hell. One reason for the avoidance of women was the belief that they would lead men astray. From garments come a moth, and from women the iniquities of a man. And views this low status of women is not surprising that they enjoyed few legal rights in Jewish society. Women were not even allowed to give evidence in court. And according to the rabbinic school that followed the teachings of Rabbi Hillel, a man could legally divorce his wife if she burned his dinner. And so goes the life in the first century for women. Conceiving children, preferably boys, Raising the children and staying out of sight in your dwelling. Actually, that attitude comes into play for some women in modern-day North America. But in our gospel, Jesus was invited into the home of Simon the Pharisee for a banquet. Now let's pause for a moment. Jesus would have been invited into Simon's home, which means he would have been invited into a large open courtroom in his house. And Jesus knew who he was dealing with. As he approaches the house of Simon the Pharisee, Jesus came into the courtyard, and Simon greeted him. but did not give Jesus the customary courtesies expected, especially courtesies that would have been given to a rabbi. And normally, when a guest arrives at your home, you must embrace them and hug them and touch them in a friendly way. But Simon did none of these. That was strange. That was not cool. When Jesus came in, he normally would have been offered water with which to bathe his feet or have a servant girl wash his feet. And Simon did not offer water or a servant girl to wash his feet. And normally Simon would have offered olive oil to soothe his hands and feet. But Simon did not offer him olive oil either. So there was a coolness from Simon toward Jesus. Jesus came in, and the text says that Jesus reclined at the table. So imagine Jesus reclining or sitting there on a pillow on the floor, his body stretched out on the pillow. A low table was set in front of him, a low table with short legs. And in this scene, a woman comes in behind Jesus. Scripture says she was a sinner, which usually refers to the fact that she may have been a prostitute. And she kneels at his feet. And she begins crying, and crying not a little bit. She cries so much that her tears actually wet Jesus' feet. She then takes her hair, which would have been braided around her head long, dark brown hair and she unbraids it and lets it down and starts to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and hair. And people were stunned, people were speechless. No one knew what to say. The woman was doing something which was very improper. Letting her hair down like that in public. Crying her tears over Jesus' feet. It was all improper. It violated the rules of civil etiquette. And then this woman started kissing his feet. How strange. But not so strange to people who understood in Jewish custom that if someone has saved your life, you would come to that person and kiss their feet. So that she was kissing Jesus' feet implies and reveals that Jesus may have rescued her earlier. If someone had saved you, a way to acknowledge that is to come and kiss their feet. And probably Jesus, or perhaps Jesus, had saved her from prostitution. All are perplexed and speechless at her behavior. and the text, says Simon said to himself, if Jesus was truly a prophet, he would realize what kind of woman this was. He would know what was inside her heart. He would know what a terrible sinner she was, and Jesus would have nothing to do with her. And Jesus, being a prophet and reading Simon's heart, knew what Simon's heart was filled with self-righteousness. Simon was looking down at this woman, for Simon felt he was several cuts above this woman. And Jesus, knowing what was in Simon's heart, said to Simon, Simon, I need to tell you a story. There were two men, and they were both in debt to a moneylender, a banker. The one was in debt, 500 denarii, or 500 days of, or 500 days of wages. That's being in, uh, deeply in debt to owe someone almost two, wa- two years of wages. The second man was in debt to 50 denarii, or 50 days of wages, less than two months' wages. The moneylender forgave both of them their debts. Now, which of the two would be more appreciative of their money lending? And Simon the Pharisee said, The one who was forgiven the most, I suppose. The biblical text continues. Jesus, looking at the woman, said to Simon, Simon, I came into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has been bathing my feet with her tears. And I came into your house, and you did not welcome me with a warm embrace, but she has been kissing my feet. I came into your house, and you did not give me oil to anoint my hands and feet, but she has been anointing my feet with precious oil. And Jesus added these profound words. The person that has been given much loves much. A person that has been forgiven much has much compassion in their heart. Whoever is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to the woman, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. What a story, what an incredible story. For me, the key to this story is a one line. If you read the story carefully, you notice that Jesus had been talking to Simon, but he had been looking at the woman. Jesus turns to Simon and says, her sins are many, and they have been forgiven. Therefore, she has great compassion. We find a similar situation in the Gospel of John 8, 1-11, and the story of the woman caught in adultery. Again, Jesus was in conflict and confrontation with the Pharisees, who had a need to minimize their own sinfulness and a need to maximize other people's sinfulness. The woman in the story is not named, despite that she is a real symbol or ideas and attitudes that are timeless. Though she was a real woman living in the first century, she is anonymous so that anyone knowing her would not be ashamed. It's an early morning and Jesus is at the temple ready to teach whoever came to listen to him. And some respected Jewish leaders bring a woman to him. She has said to be found guilty of adultery and the leaders, scribes and Pharisees challenge him to find a solution to a problem. What is to be done with this woman who has been found guilty of adultery, which was a capital crime? Jesus parries their question by asking them, in essence, to examine their own consciousness to see if any of them are guiltless. The authority of his words and his presence obviously affected them. And they are silenced at last, one by one, beginning with the most respected man among them. They melt away into the gathering crowd. And eventually Jesus is left alone with the woman still standing in front of him. And Jesus then speaks to her. Where are your accusers? he asks. Has no one seemed fit to condemn you? And she simply says, No one, sir. Well then I do not condemn you either, says Jesus. Go on your way and do not sin anymore. Can you imagine the feeling inside this woman after Jesus speaks this word? The burden that was lifted from her, although the burden that was lifted from her, although Jesus worked with the cultural traditions of the first century. He ignored the limitations that had been placed on women by their culture. Women were free to follow him, to be part of his ministry to the world, as we see in chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. So you're probably saying, oh, nice story. Another story about Jesus. What's the bottom line? Well, the bottom line is that there are dozens of stories in scriptures that shows Jesus lifting up the dignity of women that Jesus included women in his ministry. Jesus talked to and let women touch him. And as a rabbi, this would have never been this would have been a major prohibition. And for him to talk to women, especially foreign women as we've seen him do in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, a woman that had been married a number of times, and this was unprecedented. This woman was so taken by her conversation with Jesus that she goes back to her village and brings back crowds of people to witness this extraordinary man. And as you heard earlier in the sermon, Jesus takes up the cause of poor female prostitutes and confronts the wealthy and well-established religious leaders of his time and tells them to quit being hypocrites. And over and over again, Jesus is lifting up the cause of women who in his society had no status to speak of. We see in scriptures that women were allowed to be disciples and evangelists. Women helped him financially. Women supported Jesus' ministry. Who was there at the cross when he died? Who visited his tomb at great risk to check on his body while the male disciples were hiding behind closed doors? Women were the first ones that Jesus chose to pass on the message of his resurrection. His first three appearances after the resurrection were to women. When I was in Chicago, our ministry worked with female sex workers. And one of the things that we were trying to do was lift up their dignity, inspired self-confidence and self-love, so they could eventually want to come off the street. And we'd always be there with them, no matter how bad things got at times, to help lift them up and walk with them through their suffering. And Stacy, our legal advisor and a lawyer who worked at the University of Chicago Law School, would be on the street with us to take up their cause and defend them in court. And she also would take them to a nice restaurant to celebrate their birthday, which normally would (laughs) never have happened to them on the street otherwise. You see, we would celebrate their lives. You know, it's really all about dignity. And Jesus knew that. Now you might be saying, why this sermon on Father's Day? But you know, as fathers, grandfathers, husbands, and men in general, we need to look at Jesus as a role model on how to treat women. The Gospels are full of examples. Jesus was so far ahead of his time in first century Palestine. And even today, we really haven't come all that far in many ways. Jesus has set the bar real high on lifting up the dignity of woman.
0: What an example
2: he left for all us men to follow. Amen.
0: And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.